Hello, Husker fans across the land. It's me, Ben Herbel, alongside my brother and good friend, Elijah Herbel. And today on The Half Hour, we talk about Elijah's experience on game day. And then we also talk about all the stuff that happened after that. So, stick with us. So, Ben, let's skip past the disappointment for a second because I think we all know how that game Saturday night went. And let's start with college game day. You didn't go, but I did. I have some unique experiences. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Just brag yourself up. I've got some really unique experiences. <laughs> no, but uh, I kind of want to ask, what was your view from the outside of college game day? Because that's what I think a lot of people got to experience mm-hmm. was the outside view, not the view of being there. Yeah, well, I went to a conference instead of going to college game day, which in the end was worth it. I'd say for me, it was a really good conference, but I was like, the oldest thing I've ever heard. I went to a <laughs> conference. I'm an adult now. Elijah. You're 23. I'm a, pro- a professional. You're 23 as of like three days ago. It was a great learning Everyone experience. knows your birthday now. Congrats. Hey everyone. I just turned 23. If you want to throw me a birthday wish, then I need it. So yeah, um, you're trying to act like you're old. You went to a conference, actually. I, went, I did. It was good for me. I learned some good stuff. We I listened, some, we listened to stuff. some good speakers. My networking was incredible. No, I didn't. <laughs> it was really good. Um, so I, but on college game day, I was sneaking like at the conference. I had my phone pulled up between mm. my legs, and I was sneaking watching the college game day. Um, so from afar, it was it was cool. It was a great backdrop. I feel like watching it on TV just with Memorial Stadium in the background was really really beautiful and. Um, the Husker fans seem to be pretty into it. Uh, I've heard from some people that it was really hard to hear anything. So that like, if you were in the back of the crowd, you pretty much just reacted with whatever the front of the crowd was reacting to because they were the only people that could hear it. So, yeah, it seemed like the Husker fans were, were really into it. Most loyal fans in all of college football. Yeah. That was, it, our, that was our mission when we were there. Is we wanted to be the loudest and most energetic fans because that's like, what we are. It seemed like a good uh, – some of the signs were pretty good. Some of them were a little cringe. But maybe that's just all college game day. There's like a mix of cringe and – some of them just weren't funny. And I was like, oh, gosh. Well, I'll, I'll tell it from my side. Yeah. Because I, Friday, uh, I worked during the daytime. And then that night, I was at the uh, Husker basketball event. Let's go see what the uh, Husker basketball team had in store. Really interesting. It's a completely new yeah, system. Yeah, tell me about that. So th- this isn't a Husker f- basketball podcast yet, at least. It's just a Husker sports podcast. We haven't transitioned. But it, it's we, we have football to talk about. But yeah, tell me I, about I will start with basketball and just say that it's going to be a, a – a different offense to watch this year. The shot clock didn't get below 10 once. What? And nice. it was all, it was all fast break, all running. And I'm not sure how much of it was poor defense, how much of it was just kind of like lazy. They were just scrimmaging themselves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but the offense looks completely different. Um, it's kind of built on athleticism and getting to the rim and kicking out for three. Those are the two. There's not going to be many mid range jumpers this year. That's not what this team is. Not a lot of dribbling passing around until we get down to three on the shot clock. It's very it. much get the ball down the court, make the one pass and transition and let that guy get to the rim. Um, 
But yeah, That'll be exciting. I mean, most of the time the shot was off before twenty in the shot. How's that going to stack 10. up in the Big Ten? What's that going to be? I don't know. That's why I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous. Our rebounding didn't look great again. We were kind of lacking some size inside. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we can still match up well against some of those bigger Big Ten well, schools. But haven't had a lot of room to recruit that, right? Like we. I mean, he's had one recruiting cycle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway. then, then the Rick Ross concert was that night, which was. I mean, I get it. The old Nebraska fans weren't weren't really into it, but the the students were into it. And he brought the whole team on stage. And what was like? It, I hear comments about it. it took him forever to get on stage. Yeah, he was, like yeah he was almost an hour late. Apparently, just smelled like straight dank when he went up there too. Nice. Yeah. Um. Classic Rick Ross. A, a straight oh. hour. Like people were just sitting in their seats for an hour waiting yeah. for it to happen. Yeah. He had to have a wing stop before he went up, and the nearest wing stops in Omaha. <laughs> and he was also so late anyway. This is all just hearsay. Mm-hmm. It's true. um anyway and then i left that and stopped by home real quick and just got everything i needed to go camp out for game day which was what what did you what did you take with you a phone charger uh some coffee really not a football i took a football to toss around anyway um show up to game day and take a chair something to sit in uh the wreck was this is actually a funny story now i can get into it but the wreck was uh renting out chairs for game day what what kind Um, of like just lawn chairs little lawn chairs and then what happened was, was they tried to charge everybody who rented out a chair 60 bucks for the chair. What? I'll, I'll get into it because we could, you can't take the like chairs up into the pit. So everyone just kind of left them. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, campus like ops came by and threw away all the chairs. Every single one. In the trash can <laughs> to like clean up like real quick after game day got over. They yeah. were just like, zoop. Yep. So they're trying to charge everyone 60 bucks. They're trying to charge things. everybody 60 bucks a chair. It ended up coming out to, uh. Four bucks a chair. They're going to end up charging everybody for it because we, so like, we, we, we paid a three dollar rental fee uh-huh. plus four dollars on top of it. And like, okay, it's not your fault. It's like you lost it. Or the campus people came by and chucked them all in the trash can. Oh, so like after the fact, the, what were they telling you guys how much they were going to cost? They were telling you guys they that were going to cost for every chair that did not get returned. They were going to charge the person who rented out sixty sixty dollars. But then they learned that before we had a chance to go back and get the chairs, uh-huh. the campus people came by, picked up the chairs, and chucked them all in the trash can. <laughs> Which is I just wonder hilarious. how much they were worth. I wonder how much the wreck lost on on those chairs. My guess is the four dollars plus three dollars is seven dollars, so just probably how much each chair was. Oh, was it just like cheap little like foldable lawn chair kind of deal? Very Walmart it... quality. Uh huh. Not not great. Sixty bucks. Yeah, that's so crazy. Which is the fee if like you take it on a camping trip and you lose it. Yeah, I understand that. Oh, so this is oh this is like outdoor adventure center stuff. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But then they're like, okay, turns out. This is kind of on us, so we're only gonna charge you four dollars because you didn't like return it. Yeah. That's worth it. $4 anyway, is worth not returning. But what what happened was I get into it is we're all having fun, nice camping out. There were like people I knew. I was walking around being a little butterfly, uh-huh. not social butterfly. Uh-huh. <laughs> being a little butterfly. What were you anyway, on? Yeah. And then uh, we're all sitting there, and around four a.m., um, somebody else get to the front, and then just mob mentality. Everybody oh, just gosh. packs up in the front of this line, and we're all in this like this Pushing, big mob. Shoving. Jeez. And what happens whenever I hear that, I go, uh-oh, I don't have my sign. So I run <laughs> back to my spot and grab my sign. And so then I, when I finally get back up, I was like maybe a third of the way through the line. Mm-hmm. And then I'm a little behind halfway by the time like uh, I finally get back up that's there. That's a bit of a bummer. A bit of a bummer. Um, but I'm still with my friends and it, it's cool. And we're like, okay, we're, we're still probably going to get in. But we have to stand in that little mass for an hour and a half before they even open the gates. Just because it was mob and mentality. At what time? Like 5? 5, 5.30. 5, 5.30 is when it started? 5.30 is when they opened the gates. Okay. And so you were there, like whenever they yelled everybody to the front, that was like yeah. So I showed up around eleven, mm-hmm. <coughs> and then everyone would get to the front at four, and then we stood in that mass till five thirty. Oh, and then to fill up the pit, it probably took him an hour of like 
letting people in one by one because they had to check everybody. So they started letting people in at 5.30, which led to a second, like, mass mm-hmm. of everyone trying to get because, like, the, the little little cattle guard gate followed by the checking was about, like, 10, 15 feet. So they, they kind of bottlenecked us through this, like, one little area So, like, checking. this big mob is, like, funneling through this little this little area. They're yeah, like so what happens is after when the second rush, whenever the front of the line gets to move up that 10 to 15 feet, mm-hmm. everyone who's in the back peels around to the edges and kind of, like, tries to get up. So they, they kind of, like, go around the mass up to the front. People are trying to cut around the front. Yeah, yeah but I knew the system, and I knew, I knew how they cattle guarded it. So I'm like, yo, my friend, stay in the middle, stay in the middle. So by the time, like, everyone kind of figures out where they're going to be, I'm almost in the back. Because everyone that was behind me had just funneled around. Oh, but you like ended up by like the system. You were in the back, but you got in before all those people who had gone around the sides. Yes, be- they were... because it was like, kind of like a the, the gates were kind of on like a, a diagonal to uh-huh. just kind of funnel like the people in. Yeah. So a lot of people went around to the sides didn't so, even end up getting in. Whoa! Because wow. they, I ended up getting. That's I was about three fourths of the way back, which kind of sucks. I was camping out since eleven. Mm-hmm. I should have been towards the front, but it's whatever. I made it in. Um. Did you gradually get to work your way up to the front because yes. of people leaving? A lot of people who had been standing since 4 a.m. were their feet were tired. They wanted to get home and take a nap, whatever. So I ended up making up to about the fourth row. Got on TV a couple times. Heck yeah! Repres- I didn't see your sign podcast. anywhere. Uh, if you watch Gabriel Union and Dwayne Wade picking, I was in the back most of that time. That's cool. whenever I was like really like. Ah. <laughs> please, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was my game day experience. Wow. So what started out by, so I stood from 4 a.m. until 11 a.m. Just on my feet the entire time. Sheesh, dude. Were you <clears> feeling <throat> it at the end? Oh, my day is not even over yet. What's uh before we keep going into your day, how did that feel like childhood aspirations? Like It was cool. Seeing... I, I can see why people couldn't hear in the back. Up in the pit, you could hear the mics pretty well. You could usually hear what was going on. Like in the, their monitors or whatever they're mm. using. It, it was cool. It's not something I'll ever camp out for again. Next time, I'll definitely just go like stand in the back and kind of just be there to be around Husker fans. I wouldn't actually open the pit. Okay. That was just kind of a, I'm in college. I'm, I'm going to do this now while I can. Experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of your friends went with you? Uh, we had a group of 10. Oh, nice. Yeah, so we Did you all stay out. together the whole time? Um, We camped out together. Some people um left in the middle of the night because they got tired or whatever. Um, and then we had people coming and going. But I ended up staying a group of about – Four of us by the end stayed for the whole thing. Respect, dude. Nice. So, some of you in my roommate stayed for the whole thing. Most of my friends ended up leaving before the picks and stuff just because they got tired. Mm. Nerds. But then uh, 11 o'clock rolls around. The show ends. I walked to my car, and I just kind of sit, take a load off my feet for a little bit. It's 1130, but I got work at 130. So, uh, so I got to get over to, back over to the stadium. And then uh, I get over to the stadium. I just take a nap inside the stadium. <laughs> and so I got in about a – a 45 minute nap oh, and then nice. straight to work at one thirty. You feel super refreshed after those 45 minutes. So <laughs> not at all. I felt awful. Um, but then I work until game ended plus an hour, like 11 o'clock and made it back home. And it so was like pretty much a 24 hour day. Uh, 40, 42 hours. It came out to my, with a 45 minute nap in there. Cause I started at 7am on Friday. Oh yeah. And then all the way through to 11, 11, uh, by the time I finally fell asleep it was midnight on Saturday. Dude, so. respect. Was it hard to work with? Like just, was your brain kind of just all over the place? It was once Nebraska was down 48 to seven. And you were just like, screw this. <laughs> this I don't sucks. care anymore. Yeah. Um, the, the beginning was exciting and a couple cups of coffee got me through it, but, but then the game happened. What an experience. Yeah. Should we get into that? We should get into I that. I have more questions for you about game day, but it's fine. Well, maybe we'll talk about it some other time. It was just, it was very, it's what you expect when you see on TV. That's what game day is. Yeah. Not, not organized. Great. 
pretty good energy. Some of the crowd energy is a little bit forced where like somebody up front's like, we need to show we have good energy. Let's do a go big red chant coming out of this break. Yeah. Well, it's but, obvious. Like it's obvious that it's made for TV. Like, yes. The crowd is not really the most important thing. Like they're doing it for the views for, for television. Yeah. And yeah, I thought I, I was seeing stuff where people were thinking maybe best college game day turnout for the year so far. Or, um, um they, it was, they, they kind of talked to us from the stage after the, uh, after they made their picks, and they're like, sorry about the picks, but you guys had great energy all day. We thank you for coming out. You guys were oh, are, are some nice. of the best fans. So hey, you got a chance to interview uh, Kirk Herbstreet. I did at Kirk Herbstreet. Uh, I, talked, I talked to Desmond Howard. I talked to Reese Davis. Talked as in you were like in the in the crowd of reporters having a conversation with them. Yes. Or did you get to like have personal words with each of them? Um, no. Oh, okay. They're they're busy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was cool to be able to ask them questions, kind of pick their brain. They're real people. They're very. They're real Weird. people. That's nice. Kirk Herbstreit is so much nicer than expected. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> he, oh. he started off his interview by saying, "Well, I'm so excited to be back in Nebraska. The, the fans here are just so passionate, and I, I respect that about them. You <laughs> liar! Just tear you up on Twitter. You a liar! Yeah, <laughs> you hate it. We, you hate our passion. You did. You, <laughs> you think we're all crazy? Did you ever see that story about about Herbstreit in the pick? Um, Whenever like whenever Nebraska fans st- first started tearing him up because he the like it was the ear, the greatest college football team of all time right yeah and they it, like the consensus of everybody hosting it was talking about like they're all like uh the Husk- ninety seven Huskers or whatever uh-huh. and then like in in his earpiece the producers like Kirk this bit sucks you gotta pick Miami like you gotta like start making this more of a debate so then he was like well, I don't really care so then he started picking the the Canes never pick against Nebraska <laughs> and, and Nebraska fans yeah and so ever since then that was kind of what kicked it all off was was the producer telling him that it needed to be a bit spicier of a conversation. Um, and now we all hate him. Yeah. Well, just kidding. He's honestly, I think I've forgotten about the hatred because now I just hate Ohio state. The man's bigger than expected. He's a unit. Desmond Howard's smaller than expected. Really? Desmond Howard. You look at him and go, you on the Heisman? Really? Huh? The man's like five ten. <laughs> but Herb street's a specimen. Oh, Herb Street's like six four. He's like still pretty built. Wow. Yeah, you don't really think about that whenever they kind of just level them all out on their yeah. chairs in the on game day. No, Herb, Herb Street's a unit. Um, Good to know. But let's get into the game. Yeah, we're, dude. Let's get what, into the game. Almost fifteen minutes in. We yeah. Just well, honestly, the way that we're treating this podcast, <laughs> I don't really want to talk about the game. Is the way that I've been treating this game. I woke up on Sunday. Well, well, first, I honestly, I didn't watch the final two minutes of the game. I was wow like, you missed so much I know I know <laughs> which is weird for me I feel like I'm like pretty committed to things I watched it all the way through but that, I was just like screw this and hung out with friends and played some games instead then I woke up on Sunday didn't read anything honestly I, I did skip all the post game pressers Saturday night I, w- I wasn't in a mood to listen to the post game pressers yep I got through those Sunday night finally okay after the disappointment of the Broncos game washed over me uh, <laughs> I've watched I've listened to Frost and that's it listen to Frost I listen to Mo Berry's Darian Daniels said some good stuff uh, you listen to Matt Barniak? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> dude. dude. He just got lit up all Chase night, Young so. made him look like a child out there. Yeah. Um, there, There's not much you can say. I, I feel for the guy. He went up against a future all-pro athlete. Chase Young's going to be all-pro for the next 10 years. Yeah. He's like Jadavion Clowney, maybe better level. He's He's going to be a beast someday. He's going to be probably as good as Von Miller in the NFL. You think so? Yes. What, like just the co- combination of his speed with... Speed, the, speed the power. he was throwing out last night, just not last night, Saturday, we're just... Like, he, all he, he did was cut inside, I feel like. Like, uh, there, he was athletic and, and speedy enough to literally, all he did was cut inside and just effed up everything. It's yeah. like... He was the best pass rushing prospect I think I've ever seen in play college football game. Wow. Wow. 
Uh, Indominus and Sue was the, a more dominant force against Texas and against some of those games, but Chase Young is the best pass rushing prospect I've ever seen. And I've seen I've seen Joey Bosa. I've seen J.J. Watt. I remember J.J. Watt at Wisconsin. I've, both the Bosa brothers I've seen live. Mm-hmm. Um, Von Miller, I remember Nebraska played him. I remember watching other Texas A&M games that year. Chase Young against Nebraska, that was the best pass rushing performance from an NFL prospect I've ever seen. After he, do- he deserves to go top five this next year, and he's going to. Illinois' pass rush, up until our game, they looked pretty dangerous. And then we played them, and I thought they were. I thought we handled them pretty well. Yes. There was no handling Ohio State. No. No. There is nothing even resembling handling. Every single play that they wanted to get in the backfield, they were in the backfield. And it's as simple as that. Does it make you feel better or worse? What do you mean? Um... About the like, result? N- the result or just like, as you talk about the game, it's like, wow, we have never seen anything like that this season, nor will we see it the rest of the season. I, I have feel better now. That was the best team Nebraska has played since we played Texas in the Big 12 championship game. I think that Ohio State team is better. Mm. That Ohio State team has a legitimate shot in a national championship game this year. And who was the last team that we played with a legitimate shot in the national title game? Uh, except Ohio State, Ohio State yeah. back like what six years ago whenever Tommy Armstrong got hurt and we had to play Riker Fife and even then they didn't even make the playoff that year who we played that? have we played new playoff teams since then well uh, Mich- last- we thought Michigan last year was good Michigan last year last- that, that Ohio State team was, was it last year or two years ago where Wisconsin probably deserved to be in the in the playoff that was not last and year when was that that was like three years ago <sighs> my memory is nothing but where if it would have been a 16 playoff then Wisconsin definitely would have been in it but Ohio State is I think the best team that we have played since 2009 and I am pretty firm in that that team was absurdly stacked we didn't we made some mistakes we let it get, get away from us early I think that game could have been close in 48 to 7 but it really shouldn't have been so what were we thinking going into it um I think underestimating Ohio State we overestimated our offense. Mm. That's the problem. When I look at what Ohio State did to us to stop us, all they did was they put seven guys in the box, they manned up our receivers, they sometimes put a safety over the top, and they said, beat us. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't beat them. Man coverage, our receivers could not beat them. Yeah. It's, it's as simple there's, as that. No, no real and when there's And when there's seven guys in the box, the only thing you can really do to move the ball is that triple option. That's why it worked that one drive, because we'd option guys out of the play. We wouldn't have to block them. We just let their own responsibilities take them out of the play, right. as opposed to having to block everybody as we would in a power ISO. That, was, that's why that worked so well. Because schematically, that's what happens when you option. Like yes. Whenever it's, and, and then when it's just single coverage on the outside, or if a receiver gets a block and you option a couple guys out, you're going to get ten yards. Mm-hmm. So that's why that worked. Um, but that's why nothing else worked. It's because our receivers couldn't get open, and they put seven guys in the box. Well, especially whenever we were down and then, that many points, and then Adrian Martinez would have. Two and a half seconds to throw the ball. Yeah. Oh, gosh. He'd finish a three-step drop, and he would already have pressure in his face. There's, there's nothing you can do. There's really not. And e- even thinking that we needed a big game out of Adrian going into the game, expectations for me, la- last week I said, uh, Adrian Martinez needs to be the MVP for us to win this game. Totally an unrealistic expectation with the way that game looked at, worked out. One for him to perform at such a level to put the entire team on his back against that Ohio State team, yeah. totally unrealistic. Yeah. Also, with the play of our offensive line against their defensive line, um, completely unrealistic. Oh, and then we get in the game situation where we have to start passing because we're down so many points. Yeah. Uh, passing is the only option. We have no open receivers. Uh, we have little time to throw. We can't keep running that option game the entire game. Realistically, to to keep in the game, we can't. Like, especially with the way they were. 
imposing their will on on the offensive side of the ball um game plan wise we kind of got screwed by the time we gave up three touchdowns yeah um and defensively i don't have much to say because i do think we we, we didn't have an awful defensive game plan coming in uh the davis twins got pushed off the ball a little bit darian daniels had himself a whale of a game i'll say that darian daniels did not get pushed off the ball much if at all i think he had a good game colin miller and Mo Berry missed a decent amount of tackles, but they also came up and stuck pretty well. They hit hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamar Jackson didn't have a great game. DiCaprio Brutal didn't have a great game. Cam Boodle Taylor did. had an all right game just tackling, but he was making all his tackles 10 yards downfield. Boodle had an okay game, but he just is oversi- undersized to play against that Ohio State receiving core. Like JoJo Doman had an all right game, but he wasn't on the field all that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, or just the team as a whole, is... The culture has been shifted. Scott Frost has taken steps towards fixing the culture, and I think it's there. He's not fixed the team yet. Hmm. That's that's the best way I can put it, is in year two, he did not expect to have this many Mike Riley guys still playing on his team and still being starters on his team. Didn't expect? In what sense? He expected to bring his own guys in to be able to come in and play and fill the voids as opposed to the guys Mike Riley still left behind. Look look at, at the this defense. Point, at this point? Look at look at the defense. Look how, how would we, any coach have the expectation of by year two having all his guys? He, I think he expected at least half of his guys to be playing by now. Hmm. It's not. Look at it. Look at the defense. Alex Davis, mm-hmm. Khalil Davis, Carlos Davis, JoJo Doman, uh, Colin Miller, Mo Berry, Lamar, Lamar Jackson, Jackson um, uh, Deontay Williams when he's healthy, mm-hmm. DiCaprio Boodle. Ten of the eleven starters on defense, besides Darian Daniels, are Mike Riley guys, and. Eric Lee, Mike Riley guy. Yeah. 10 of the 11 guys are Mike Riley guys. And when you go look at the offense, four of the five offensive linemen are Mike Riley guys. And that was always the big complaint of Mike Riley is he couldn't develop offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. He didn't have offensive linemen. Four of the five guys are still Mike Riley guys. Yeah. J.D. Spielman, Mike Riley guy. And the defense is looking better in that because I think the secondary recruitment-wise in the Mike Riley area was pretty okay mm-hmm. still. And, like, and then because you get down to it. Scott Frost missed on more guys than he expected, especially in his first recruiting cycle. Mm-hmm. I would argue Mike Williams was a miss as of right now. Um, Jerron Woodyard. Mo Washington was a big hit, but Greg Bell was a miss. Um, what is it? He brought in, I think of his 2017 recruiting class, only eight or nine guys are still with the team. He missed on a lot of guys. He brought in like 17, I think that year, and only like nine guys are still with the team. He missed a lot in his first year, mm. and that's set ourselves up for failure. He doesn't have the personnel in that he wants to run his scheme, his offense, his defense. And I don't want to hate on the Mike Riley guys too much because a lot of them have put in some big strides, mm-hmm. but they're not. it's not the team that Scott Frost would assemble. Yeah. well, it's, And I'll, I'll say that. And it, it's, it's still year two. There's still time. That's why it's people are overreacting. Mm-hmm. Scott Frost isn't failing. He wasn't expecting to have, of his 22 starters, mm-hmm. he wasn't expecting 15 of them to be Mike Riley guys by year two. Mm-hmm. He okay. was expecting a number less than 10, I'd assume. I think... I think that just takes me by surprise. I think that's just a bold statement to say that Scott Frost was not expecting expecting that. To like put the expectations, to assume the expectations of a coach coming in. Look at all, all the JUCO transfers. Mm. All the, the guys that had D1 experience. Uh, look what he did at UCF where he brought in almost that second year at UCF. Almost all those guys were guys that he brought, he brought in, in in his first recruiting cycle. Mm. And that's a talent rich florist uh, state and it's against lesser competition. But here at Nebraska, I don't, he was also, he wasn't expecting 10 of the 11 guys on his defense when he came in to be um, Mike Riley guys. Whenever, mm-hmm. whenever he started, he was not expecting two years down the road to still have 10 of his 11 defensive starters be Mike Riley guys. That, that's an interesting point talking about being located in Florida. Uh, what's our recruiting identity at this point? Like, 
I feel like it's been some Florida guys missed on a lot of California guys. Well, that, that was uh, a product of Mike Riley. Mike, the, the California guys have been missing recently. Just well, nationally. You know, even people that we've gone after, Scott's gone after in California. Well, I, Bo uh, Pelini's identity was Texas. Mm-hmm. I think Scott's identity has been South. Mm-hmm. He's been going to Alabama, Georgia, um, and then that, that's his, his skill guys, I should say. And then he wants Midwest for his beef. He wants his linebackers to be Midwestern. He wants his offensive linemen, defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. He likes D linemen from Texas. He's been going down there a lot. He's he's been mixing up where he's going. He doesn't have a hotbed. He's been avoiding West Coast, generally speaking. Uh, Mo Washington's an exception. Adrian Martinez is an exception. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, he's been sticking down to that South for his skill position. Mm-hmm. And he just missed too much. He's trying to recruit with the SEC still, and he's hasn't gotten the new facilities yet. It It's kind of like a weird diversity. And then Lincoln's not a place that, like, uh, we can – you hear it all the time, and – Sometimes I disagree with it, but really what's bringing a player to Lincoln is the talent, the coaching staff, and the tradition. Like, Lincoln's not an identity, an identity, a destination. Lincoln's not a destination. You come here because, A, you like Frost, mm-hmm. B, you like the fan support, mm-hmm. and C, you think you can win. Yeah. Those, those are the three things any recruit's looking for. It helps whenever there's still 80,000 people in the stands in the fourth quarter. That right. helps. Right. That that helps recruiting identity. Getting new facilities coming in that helps. That, yeah. that, that says this this uh, this place is committed to win. Yeah. And then people want to come play for Scott Frost, but not if the results aren't coming still. And the ability to play top tier talent in other teams. Like yeah. if you if you're interested in and in, if you think you're gonna land second, third, fourth on the depth chart at Ohio State, but you want a chance to play those guys, then you're gonna come here. Yeah. You you, you can college. make a name for yourself. This is still you can see game day came here. That's huge for recruits. They mm-hmm. can say I can still make a name for myself here. Mm-hmm. It's not Iowa. Mm-hmm. Iowa, you're never going to be in a nationally relevant person in Iowa. Playing for Scott Frost in Nebraska, if you come out and have a superstar season, you can be relevant. Adrian Martinez was what, fourth in Heisman ballots, or uh, the Heisman odds before the season. You can be nationally relevant here, and players look for that. Right. They want to say, if I can break out here, I can be nationally relevant. Nationally relevant and hopefully get some attention for moving on to the next level. Oh, Especially of course, Especially yeah. playing it in our offense and um, yeah, being able to shine. And now new facilities on the horizon going to be completed by... 2022 spring 2022 Mm -hmm. which means the 2022 season's gonna be the first year we have them uh and that's whenever guys are gonna i mean the people who are committing now are gonna be graduating in 2024 which means that the facilities will be coming while they're here so it's not this will help recruiting now this is an yeah an immediate help addition to to our recruiting battle yeah yeah and so i mean i'm just coming back to my point is that bring it back all the way back is that you don't freak out about this loss. That's one of the best teams Nebraska is going to face in the past 10 years. And it's probably one of the best teams that Nebraska is going to face for the next 10 years, aside from when the Oklahoma uh, rivalry comes back in 2022, 2023. Mm. That's scary. That's to be a good team. We're going to be more prepared though. As of right now, we have the culture. We don't have the team. Yeah. I was just about to say that you're talking about uh, Mike Riley boy is still playing and you're saying you gave him props for, I'm no, not dissing on those guys, but props for playing, but it's still not the people we want. It's not the people that fit yet. Right. Uh, sorry. Not the people we, not that it's not the people we want. It's the people that don't fit. But last year, that attrition of our team, these are guys who are playing with the heart and the culture of Nebraska football. Yes. And um, I, I respect those guys played their hearts out through four quarters on Saturday. Yeah. They just, they weren't set up for success. They're playing against guys who are four and five stars right. who are going to go play in the NFL. That's, the best team we're going to play all year. Yeah. 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 Especially coming out of, uh, they're hitting those recruiting cycles of the past couple of years that were top five recruiting cycles, like in the nation. And now they're 
they're gelling, they're hitting their stride. So, um, interesting. I'll be interested to see how Day continues recruiting and how uh, if what, he can keep it on his team. It's one thing yeah. to have all the talent given to you exactly. and to go win. Exactly. It's another thing to go and have a freaking five star transfer from Georgia. Like, yeah. Props for uh, to Ryan Day for getting Justin Fields there mm-hmm. when he already had Tate Martell behind him. Yeah. Um, what does that game look like without Justin Fields? Probably still losing. Oh, they, J.K. Dobbins is still a great back. And their defense still would have. I, Justin Fields w- was much smarter mm-hmm. than I expected him to be coming in. Yeah. Um, good decision making. For being a young quarterback, he made really good decisions. He threw the ball away when he should have. He outshined Martinez in that game to me. Mm-hmm. And that's also a product of who he has around him. He yeah he he looks better because he, he has had more he had more time open. yeah he had a running back who rushed for damn near two hundred yards. Mm-hmm. Um, J.K. Dobbins was a great back. He was making guys miss. He was getting in the open field. He had space. Their offensive line just consistently had hats on our guys. Mm-hmm. Like their blocking was just it wasn't. I mean for sure there was definitely blowing some of our guys off the line, but also they were just like hit their assignments. They didn't the, mess the up. The biggest problem to me from our defense was that our offensive linemen, specifically anyone not named Darian Daniels could get blown off the ball on a, on a single team block hmm. that the, one of their guys could handle one of our guys pretty easily. And their other guys would get free releases to our backers. Our yeah. backers were getting mauled. Hmm. Moberry busted through a couple times and kind of blew up a play, but the majority of the time their offensive line was downfield in our backers in their faces before like J.K. Dobbins is even out of the backfield. It felt so. like Dobbins had unlimited space wherever he went. Like he had it, cutback it, lanes all over the place. And it felt like no matter where he was in the field, there was always going to be an offensive lineman in front of him, giving him a lead block. Yeah. The, uh, the defensive line did not do a good job either a taking double teams or B just being solid enough that they needed to get double teamed. Mm-hmm. The only person who looked like he needed to get double teamed was Darian Daniels all night, which just as someone who played offensive line, not at a super high level, but someone who played off his line, it's just, it's beautiful whenever you know the guy next to you is going to blow that defense lineman off the ball because you don't even have to touch him. Mm-hmm. If you know he's getting blown off the ball, you can go straight past him, get straight into a backer. Yeah. And that backer's not going to be ready for you by the time you're there. And it just creates so much more room for your back. Where's it going on for Ohio State? What's their, what's the rest of their season look like? Where, who are they going to, who's going to compete with them? Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin's the only team I can see giving them a run for it. And even then, I don't think Wisconsin's defensive line and defensive front seven is going to be able to stand up to Ohio state. I think Ohio state goes straight to a playoff there. They, that is the team that has the best shot of beating either Clemson or Alabama this year. Look to see Ohio state in the college football playoff and don't be shocked to see them in the national championship game. That's a damn good team. Yeah. So overall, so overall, feel a little better overall, don't get down on yourself. Husker Big Ten West, our destiny is still in our own hands. There's could still be a chance that we see Ohio state in a big 10 championship. <laughs> uh yeah don't don't bet on it <laughs> i'm trying to instill some hope here, don't don't, don't don't bet on it but the progress is there <laughs> the progress is there i think a win over wisconsin or a win over iowa it means so much more than a win over ohio state yeah 100 it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to watch the rest of the year and just know that each week nebraska is still getting better and just know that mm-hmm. this this is not a finished product there's still a lot of a lot scott frost wants to do with this team if we walk out of one of those games with a win I feel really great about our season going into next year. Yeah, so, so don't get down, Husker Nation. I'm going to say that a thousand times just because a lot of people are going to be down in this team after that last week and say we're bad. We're not bad. There's still time. This this team is not a lost cause, and Scott Frost isn't a lost cause. Yeah. 
Hang with your scurs. Hang with the scurs. Things will get better. And uh, that's how we're gonna leave you today. That's how we're gonna leave you today. This this is not the finished, the final product for uh, Scott Frost. We will see you on the next episode for our Northwestern preview. Until then, I'm Ben. I'm Elijah. See you later, guys.